Let's face it, engineers are probably more comfortable behind a mixing board than they are handling client issues. Having a good protocol in place can help to ease the tension and smooth out a potentially crummy interaction. Today, we're talking customer service do's and don'ts presented by yours truly. My name's Mike O'Neill, and this is Gig Essentials. All right, welcome back to another episode of Gig Essentials. Once again, I'm Mike O'Neill, and with me here are regular panel of experts. Uh, Tom, Chris, Gene, Mike, welcome back, guys. How are we doing? Doing all right. Good. Good to hear. Surviving the rain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so today we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk more about the customer service side of the business um, kind of step away from the technical aspect of things for just a day and talk about more of the customer facing and person to person face to face side of the business um, I have a little bit of something prepared today with my background in retail and in sales um, Techs, I mean, you guys are, um, you're the brains, you're the heart of the business, right? Because without you guys and your expertise, none of these events, none of these shows go on. Um, nobody gets to experience what we've, uh, what we have to offer, but there also has to be a little bit of that uh, sales side to things and customer service, whether you're in sales or, uh, or not, right? You still have to deal with people and work with people and and solve issues that are not tech related sometimes right so today we want to focus on those things and i have a short top five do's and don'ts list prepared for today Uh, we can kind of walk through those things and uh, just kind of hammer out some details about how we go about uh, addressing these things and why we should be doing them and why we shouldn't be doing the things that we're not supposed to do. So I've got this all set up. There we go. go. Clearly I know what I'm doing. There we go. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Technical issues. All right. So some customer service do's and don'ts. So let's start with um, the good side of things and let's start with do's. Uh, there we there we go okay so when it comes to actually talking with people everybody has a uh, essentially a personality type they have mannerisms and tics that are um, specific to them but a lot of people not ever not a lot of people sorry everybody falls into a, a fairly generic uh, personality type um, and as Uh, people in the service industry, what we need to be doing in order to have the best interaction that we possibly can is to actually match personality. So if somebody is excited about something, we want to have a little bit of a raised pitch of voice, be a little bit faster in the way that we're talking. Um, If somebody is very calculated and 
uh, very detective-like in terms of, you know, they really want the technical information regarding what they're asking about, then don't be afraid to share those things, right? Now, what I mean by match and not mirroring is, for example, if the person that you're talking to is, um, if they um, fold their arms, what you could potentially do is actually fold your arms as well to kind of um, to match what they're doing, but you don't want to do it at the exact same time that they're doing it. Um, that just seems almost mocking in a way, um, but matching, waiting a few seconds, 10, 20 seconds or whatever it might be to settle into more of a, com a comfortable position while you're talking to that person um, actually puts you on an equal plane a little bit more when you're when you're talking with that person so that's what i mean by matching and not mirroring mirroring isn't like an instant reflection of what the the client or the customer is doing as opposed to matching personality or matching stance and body language number two cool can stop. i make a can i make a little point on that and i'll yes. tell you a little gig hack yes um it's probably super stalker of me, but what I'll often do if I know that I'm going to be working with a band engineer or a technical crew, I'll try and find out a little bit about them beforehand. And um, this is something that I've learned from like sales um, books and things like that. But the other thing that I'll do is when they arrive on site, I won't immediately go over and shake hands with them, especially if it's a show where there's a lot of people in the room. What I'll do is kind of stand back for maybe two or three minutes and just watch and observe them. Mm-hmm and try and get an idea of what kind of person I'm dealing with. That way, when I go and approach them, I have the right tone out of the gate. That way I can kind of match what their energy level is like and also have some expectations. And, you know, sometimes you can tell, especially with like more well-known engineers, a lot of them have their own YouTube channels and things like that. So I'll get a sense of, you know, is this somebody that's like really super technical and energetic and wants to talk or is this somebody that's just there to get the job done? And then that way I know when I start talking to them, I can be either very cut and dry or I can give them all the technical details and know that they'll be able to respond to that. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. That's that's very smart. Very smart, Tom. Uh, awesome. All right. Moving on. Number two, stop talking and start listening. So in sales, we're taught the 80-20 rule, which is basically the client or the customer should be doing 80% of the talking and the salesperson, or in this, in this case, the tech or the engineer should essentially be doing 20% of the, the talking. And a lot of that talking coming from uh, our side is questions rather than information. So you're asking questions that are providing you with information about what the client wants, what the issue is, um, what they want to be fixed or how they want things set up, that sort of thing. Um, and then you're basically responding with probing questions that will provide you with that information or responding with kind of short and concise answers that provide affirmation for the things that they are talking about. Um, when you start talking too much, it makes the client feel less important and you kind of get this, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but, uh, like almost like your head's a little too big kind of a thing is the best way I can explain it. Um, you know, almost as if you're, you're full of yourself and you're, and you're just there to, to hear yourself 
talk as opposed to actually working towards a, a solution of sorts with with the client which is why you want to have them do all most of the talking um, so that you have an understanding of what needs to be done what they want to do, like what they want done how quickly they want it done um, and the and the solution and the experience that they're they're looking for um, you guys have any input on that yeah, um, I can give a little bit of insight on that one. One thing that I'll do when I first meet somebody, especially if we're dealing with somebody that um, we've received a tech rider, but maybe not done a tech advance with them for various reasons. Um, first thing I'll do, introduce myself, um, let them know I'm here to help them. And I will do uh, just very bare bones. Um, you know, we're supplying a monitor package for you today. Have the console you requested here, the amplifiers. I have everything laid out as it is on your plot. I'm going to be right here. If you have any questions, let me know. And then from that point, I just stop and let them talk. I don't really go into any detailed explanations about, well, we set it up this way because we weren't sure about the ride or anything like that. Just give them the basics, say, here's what we're working with, and let me know what you need. Gotcha. Mm. All right, cool. All right, number three, uh, use positive language. So the the phrase that got thrown at me all the time when I was in uh, retail is there's no room for no. Um, and that's just a matter of spinning an answer to a possible problem. It's not um, that you uh, can't say no well, and I guess it is that you can't say no, but you should be spinning it in a more positive light. It's not, uh, you're not immediately saying, well, I can't do this or that can't be done or no, I won't do that. Um, or that's, you know, not possible. What you're doing is spinning it in a manner of what can be done, um, what you are willing to do, what you are allowed to do, that sort of thing. And you're essentially giving the same answer, but you're putting it in a more positive light and you're making it more digestible for your client. Um, this happens in retail a lot, particularly with, you know, you know, can I return this or, you know, um, this is bar this is broken. What can I do with it? Um, you know, I don't agree with this policy, so on and so forth. So you learn, particularly as a sales manager, as I was, to um, align yourself with the, the the customer or the client in a, I understand that you're frustrated about this sort of thing. Here's what I can do for you, right? Without even saying, well, I can't do that, but this is what I'm going to do. You're not even opening with the negative uh, response. You're immediately moving into the, I understand what you're going through. I would be upset if I were in your situation as well. Here's what I can do. And here's what I can do in the amount of time that we have to address it. That sort of thing. Uh, moving on, unless we've got input. Yeah. No. Okay. Go ahead. Go, ahead. Go for it, Tom. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm still thinking of my words. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say that I've learned is if at all possible, unless it is a health or safety thing, do not present 
the words we have a problem to someone oh yeah. we have a problem <laughs> with the speakers we have a problem with the mixing console uh, until you have exhausted all of your possible solutions to it um, because it's almost like you will turn a switch off on that person's trust and um, mm -hmm. willingness to work with you um, say there is a problem with the mixing console if i can delay them and fix it within five minutes it's better for me to say oh, okay i got everything up and going than say oh we have a problem but i have to work on it now um, because immediately that will just yep. start a cascade of they lose complete faith in you um, you're hired to provide a technical solution to a problem like we need to address this audience with reliable video we're hiring this company to do this um, so really anything you can do to not come right out of the gate and say, oh, uh oh, we have a problem, um, mm -hmm. work on solutions, get ahead of the game. If you think that, oh, this thing's acting flaky and the person hasn't arrived yet, start getting that replacement in place or reload the software on the thing or start troubleshooting it. But save we have a problem until a very last resort at which point they can kind of work with you on a solution um because you'll often find you can get those things fixed before you have to announce that there ever was a problem and if they yeah. walked in and everything is working then you're good right well i also i also find that just using positive language has uh, an effect outside of business as well right it's just a general mindset thing Right. If you're if you're looking for the positive, uh, and instead of focusing on the negative, you tend to be a little bit less stress out. Um, you tend to see the the good in people or in situations. You tend to be a little bit more solution minded rather than problem focused. Right. And being more solution focused tends to get you in a better place in terms of attempting and possibly actually finding a solution for. Uh, a problem or a, uh, a situation that you might be in so that's just a general overall thing that i think is is um positive <laughs> yeah there's definitely i would say too there's something to be said about keeping that cool head and kind of like holding that poker face too you know what i mean like you mm -hmm. don't really want to show them on your face either you want to be very careful in how you present what's going on even if you have to you know if you don't have to like tom said you can just find the solution get it done real quick make sure the thing everything is still working so right all right moving on um under promise and over deliver this is a very common phrase in sales and in retail in particular and a lot of it has to do with the timing of things um mainly like I'll give you an example for a very common situation that I've, I found myself in uh, working in retail is you get a customer who calls on the phone while you're in the middle of a, a, of a busy moment with several people in the, in the store and you really want to help that person who's on the phone. Um, they have a very simple question, but you just don't have the time to address their question right then and there because you're in the middle of helping out three or four other people that are physically in the store. So a lot of times what we would do is essentially provide that customer with a time frame of when we would get back to them, but we would extend that time frame out 
if I know that as soon as I'm done with all these people that are in the store, it's only going to take me maybe 10 or 15 minutes to address whatever this customer's question is. Um, I would say, you know, can you give me till the end of the day to give you a call back or give me 24 hours and I can give you the information that you're looking for when in reality, it might only take me uh, an hour or two hours to get that whole thing taken care of. Um, and that subconsciously to the customer, when you give that call back to them and say, hey, I got all the information that you were looking for much quicker than they were anticipating, subconsciously to them, they have uh, a much higher sense of importance. Like you've dropped everything that you had going on to take care of their problem, no matter how large or small that problem might be. And that immediately creates a sense of trust and a, a sense of rapport with that customer because they feel that you're going out of your way to get them taken care of. And I'm sure there's a correlation uh, here with the you know, with the tech industry or the service industry and, and our um, services in particular. So if um, Chris, Mike, Gene, Tom, if you guys have any input or a, a story in particular regarding that, that would be. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's it's the little things on the job site that you do mm -hmm. um, that are the over deliver. Um, mm -hmm. It can be anything as simple as making sure that road cases are kind of neatly tucked against the wall. Sure. Um, making sure that everything you know you, when you get everything set up, take a step back and look at the stage. Does this look clean aesthetically? Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of clients, unless they are very technically minded, um, don't necessarily know what, you know, the end results should look like. Um, if you're just doing sound for a battle of the bands or something like that, then they expect there to be speakers and microphones and cables all over the place. But if you can make that look very aesthetically pleasing to them, that's mm -hmm. something that anybody can recognize. Um, so it doesn't really take any additional equipment to make that happen for the most part. It's just really more of how detail-oriented are you on taking what equipment you have and making it look and sound and do its actual best. Right. There's actually a uh, an analogy or a metaphor uh, that I use a lot with my team when it came to things being aesthetically pleasing, things that are organized and the store looking clean and that sort of thing. Um, basically what I would do is take a, just a regular eight by 11 sheet of paper that had nothing on it and ask them what they saw and there'd be nothing on it. And then I would take that paper and I would draw a very small dot in the middle of it. <laughs> and I would say, what do you see? And the answer always is, well, I see a dot in the middle of the paper. The problem is, is what you don't see is the 99.9999999% of the paper, which is clean <laughs> right, and, orga and organized, right? So whether people know exactly what they're looking for or not, if it's their first time at an event or their first time in a, in a store or location or whatever, um, things stick out to them. <laughs> um, so the, the over-delivering or the going above and beyond is... Can I, can I set this up or make it, uh, put it together in a manner where even somebody who doesn't know what they're looking looking at knows that it's 
organized and put together and like we've put care and quality into the presentation and the setup and the experience right so that's a yeah coming off that idea it's definitely a lot of like if you when you decide to like you know throw throw reverb on someone's voice and they all go oh snap like i didn't even know you could do that right. it's a lot of <laughs> it's like what tom said too it's a lot of like little victories it's like small lighting changes you know i've done stuff on gigs where it's like you're you're able to explain to them like hey man like this it, it's a lot better when you can explain to them that it could be better and then you show them and they're like oh that's a really great idea thank you for that we didn't mm -hmm. know we could even try that you know what i mean because i've been on gigs where it's like you get the you get the lighting set up you get the sound set up and they go through and they're like oh, okay cool and then you're just like oh hey like when you come up with these ideas where you're like hey man like it'd be really cool if you you know let me and it's again coming back to that positive language and you try to like convey yourself as part of the team and part of the gig where you can be like hey man like i've got an idea how about you try it with this and then you put on that delay or that effect for them or you put on the lighting change for them and they go oh snap like that's way better than what i could have imagined right yeah it's those little things that really do add up and people remember those things and that's how you really set that standard um for a great experience so all right moving on the overarching um concept is being consistent from client to client event to event um not necessarily in um you know the amount of stuff that you're providing but in terms of the quality of the interactions that you're having with your your clients um and also in the experience the overall experience that you're providing at each of these events a lot of times um like if you're, let's say you get a, a, a ref, like, you know, somebody, you get a referral from somebody, a client that you've, you've worked with in the past and they talk to a, a buddy of theirs and they've just, they have this glowing review of you guys, of us, excuse me. And, um, we, um, work with this, this referral for their event and we just kind of go through the motions, right? And we don't really provide them with the best experience. And certainly that uh, an experience that didn't live up to uh, that initial referrals experience that they had in the past, that leaves a bad taste in that second person's mouth. And then um, maybe that refer, you know, the referral stopped there, the word of mouth, uh, marketing and uh, reviews and business might stop there because we're inconsistent. We're just well, you know, it's a little bit of a smaller event, so we don't need to really put as much effort into it. Um, what I've seen is, particularly in retail, is try to give a, as consistent an experience and an interaction with the customer, regardless of if they're spending $5 or if they're spending five or $10,000, right? Um, just because you never know what kind of referral that person is going to give who they're going to talk to that might come in from their word of mouth and provide you with business so you want to set that standard with being consistent from person to person event to event service to service so yeah that's that's a very important thing um in business that i learned a number of years back um from doing some reading and it's 
McDonald's doesn't make the best cheeseburger. It's that they make the exact same cheeseburger, whether you're in New Jersey, Delaware, California, (laughs) Tokyo. It is exactly the same. And people live on that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's not necessarily the quality of the meat they use. It's that I can go to Outback Steakhouse. I can get a much higher quality cut of meat, but I can go to Outback Steakhouse in Delaware. I can go to Outback Steakhouse in New York. I can go to Outback in Arizona. It'll be exactly the same at every single location. Um, so I will say from a production standpoint, um, if you do something for someone, you can shoot yourself in the foot if you provide a service that was not accounted for originally and you won't be able to do that repeatedly um Mm -hmm. so say for example uh, i send chris out on a show and he happens to have this like gizmo in his workbox that allows something to work really well for that show if i send gene on the next show and gene doesn't have that gizmo now the client's going to ask Where's that gizmo? It worked so well right. last time. Right. Um, it doesn't really come down to a matter of the cost of the gizmo. It's just you have to make sure that you communicate that. I would be much happier if Chris said, hey, Gene, make sure next time you take this gizmo out of the shop with you because they're expecting it this time. Um, so it's not really like, oh, don't use the gizmo whatsoever. It's just make sure that you're communicating with your team or letting people know, hey, heads up, they need this gizmo to make the show happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah, something something like that small amount of information goes a long way year to year and month to month and gig to gig where you can like kind of convey that uh, that uniformity of interactions like you were talking about. Right. Cool. All right. Well, that does it for the do these things side of things. So let's move over to the don'ts. And this is number one is don't shop with your own wallet should have put own in there but don't shop with your own wallet so so what do i mean with that so particularly in in retail um guys that are making like minimum wage (laughs) um are talking to to clients and uh customers and customer comes in and says hey i want to i want to buy x product uh and the salesperson automatically says, well, you should get this because in their mind, that's what they can afford, right? Not knowing what the budget or the amount of expendable income uh, that the client or the customer has to work with. Um, Same thing goes for us. I think what we should be very mindful, and this is something that I, I used to harp on all the time, is you should be selling the experience rather than the actual product, right? Um, Meaning that everything that you're talking about in terms of setup, whether it's a live show or um, some sort of uh, gala or event, corporate event or something like that, um, when you're talking about, hey, we're going to have, you know, all of this different type of equipment for this uh, event, and it's the, the reason you're talking about it is because you're you're talking about what kind of experience that stuff is going to facilitate, right? We're going to have this particular lighting set up because it's going to look really cool when we get to this part of the event or the, the evening, right? Or we're going to have this particular sound set up because it works really well with 
you know, the, the, the other equipment that we're, that we're using and it works really well with the, the room that we're going to be in. So if you're, if you're talking about the experience and not the product itself and how much it's going to cost to rent X, Y, and Z, then budget becomes secondary. And, um, when you actually present the price for whatever it is that we're renting out or what the customer wants to purchase for an installation, let's say, then they're already sold. And the, the, the price of that doesn't really affect them nearly as much. If you're leading with price and then justifying the price, then you're not going to get anywhere close to what you quoted originally. But if you're leading with the experience that it's going to provide and then talking about what it's going to cost, you're much more likely to, to close that out and to get the, the client to, to agree to whatever it is that you're, um, you're quoting them. Any input from you fellas on that? Yeah, no? I, I think that okay. just, that comes down to um, knowing what expectations are and then engineering the proper way to do it. Um, there have been some instances where, and it's, it's a tough thing because sometimes people have expectations that no amount of money can solve for them. <laughs> I've certainly been in those things where like I I would pay out of my own pocket to make a problem resolve itself, but the laws of physics are, you know, completely not working in their favor. Um, but certainly you want to figure out what the end goal is and then mm -hmm. figure out a sensible solution to it, which right. comes from asking questions. Um, and giving yourself a little bit of flexibility in there as well. And I think that at this point, don't do these things shop with your wallet. I think that is hand in hand with that consistent experience. Yep. Very true. Very true. Hmm? All right. Moving on. Don't pass the blame. It's always videos department. They, did it. <laughs> they screwed it up. Or the interns. Yep. Always blame the interns. Always blame the interns. Um, so it, uh, in all seriousness, what I, what I do mean is it, we talk about being solution-minded ra rather than problem-minded, right? Or solution-focused rather than problem-focused. Um, in that if there is, a, uh, is an issue and it's being brought to your attention, don't automatically say, oh, yeah, well, so-and-so should have taken care of that. It's a matter of, well, I'm sorry that you're in that situation, here's what I can do. This goes back to that use positive language when addressing an issue, right? Um, you want to put the person at ease and uh, solve that problem in the background, right? Don't just automatically say, it's this person's fault, you should go talk to them and let them deal with it. If there's anything that you can potentially do to resolve the issue, even if it is talking directly to the person who caused the problem rather than having the client or the customer take care of it, then that puts the client a little bit more at ease. Um, and it's a, it's a professional way to, to handle that problem. Um, because if the client can see that there's infighting because of, of something going on, then that creates a, a very shaky relationship, a very, uh, you know, a sense of distrust 
with uh, uh, within within that relationship. So even if it's not your fault, <laughs> figure out a way to to get it fixed, right? Like I said, even if it's just a matter of talking to the person who uh, originally created the problem. <laughs> yeah, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say like, yeah, even if it's not an issue that you were even aware about a lot of the time, just be like, oh, okay, I see that this is an issue. I'll work on getting it sorted out. Right now I'm in the middle of this project here, but this is going to be the next priority on my list. Right. And even at that point, if you're like, even pull out your phone and the person's across the room and be like, hey, can you just check this out? Or if you have a radio, call them on the radio. Just, hey, can you check this out? Sort it out. I'm in the middle of this. Somebody just brought this to my attention and I know that this was your department. Now, if they're in the middle of something, you're not doing anything, obviously you can go handle it, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Number three, don't overcomplicate or overexplain things. Um, I, the it seems that the vast majority of people that we're working directly with, when it comes to particularly something like a corporate event, is somebody who has no idea what's going on, right? They were directed by their CEO. You know, they're an administrative assistant of some sort, and they're just like, hey, we got this event coming up. I need you to find somebody, you know, find me some sound guys, <laughs> basically, right? Um, and make it look good. So they're, they're Google searching, and they have no idea what they're actually looking for. So when you go to explain, hey, we're going to do all of this stuff, and we're going to use all of this equipment, they have no idea what you're talking about, and more than likely, they don't care. They just want to make it look good for their boss and for the people that are going to be attending the event. So there's no need to overcomplicate things with a lot of technical explanations of, of what you're going to be doing and how that's going to um, affect the event. Um, you know, if you're talking to um, the engineer for a touring band, sure, jump into you know, all the, all the technical stuff that you guys are geeking out over because this particular uh, piece of equipment can do this special thing, you know, that sort, you know, that sort of thing. That's totally fine. But to the average layman or layperson, you don't really need to, to lay it out with these, these overly technical explanations. Yeah. One of my favorite phrases is attributed to Arthur C. Clarke, and it is, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So um, <laughs> to a lot of people, a wireless microphone is sufficiently advanced technology. It's right. just magic to them. And, oh, I'm just going to pick this up and talk into it. And people are going to hear me. Um, what I've found working with clients is if I'm having a problem with something or if they need something to happen, they just want magic to happen. They don't necessarily care <laughs> how it happens. But what those people particularly want to know is, one, is it possible? And two, how long is it going to take? So right. instead of me saying, oh, well, I can definitely get you these wireless microphones, but you got to give me 15 minutes because the batteries need to charge in them. And I have to go backstage and change the batteries and then check and make sure they're all in the right frequencies. Nobody it just like you've lost them at that point. So what I'll just do is say, hey, can you give me 15 minutes? I'll get them up and going for you as quick as I can. That's all you got to right. say. 
That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely agree on that. Keep it keep it as simple as possible for them. Why is the monitor feeding back? Can you give me five minutes to work on it? I can definitely yeah. get this up and going for you real quick. Exactly. Right. Let me just check on this. Right. Awesome. All right. Second to last. Don't down talk your competitors. This you would think this would be this is obvious, but um, it's it's an extremely unprofessional thing to do. I know it's easy to get into that. Um, if a client says, "How hey, we were we worked with company A." last year on this event and we just had an absolutely garbage time you know don't don't get suckered into oh yeah i know those guys they're they're a bunch of bunch of losers over there they, they have no idea what they're what they're talking about and what they're doing it, it's a very unprofessional way to respond to that type of comment usually what you would like to do is like we mentioned before and we keep coming back to is using positive language, which is, well, I'm sorry you guys had a, a, a bad experience last year. We're really grateful that you decided to go with us this year. Let us help you to reset your expectations for what this event is supposed to be like. And it's really that simple. Um, it was, it's easy in, in retail particular to when there's, you know, so many uh, different types or not different types, but different stores that are selling the exact same thing. You know, we've worked with, or I went to buy it at this place and the people there were rude and now we're here. And then you jump in with, Oh yeah, I've shopped there before too. And yeah, those guys don't know what they're doing. Um, it's much, I know it's a little bit more difficult, but it's, much better for your relationship and your professional standing to redirect that using positive language and uh, particularly in a situation like that where they're going with you because of a bad experience that they've had in the past to express gratitude for them going with uh, you instead and now you have the opportunity to reset those expectations and to turn that that customer who is at the moment a one-time shopper, one-time um, consumer of your service into a client where they turn into repeat business and can provide other people with uh, positive word of mouth uh, because of their uh, their new experience with you. Yeah, a um, couple of things to say about that. One, this industry is very networked. Um, mm -hmm. If you down talk your competitor, that may be the person that next week you need to rent a piece of equipment from to make a show happen. Right. <laughs> so if word gets back <laughs> that you're trash talking them, and then you go to them the next week and say, "Hey, I need you to help me out," or you know you have a equipment failure on a show and you need something, and they're the closest ones to it, all of a sudden you're going to have to deal with them whether you like it or not. Um, right. The other thing is asking questions. Um, so that was one of the first points that we talked about. Do listen and ask questions. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody told me, oh, you know, we had this company in here last year and we weren't really happy with them, I would not say, oh, yeah, they're terrible. Like, you know, you made a mistake hiring them. I would say, okay, well, what kind of problems did you have with that company last year? What sort of technical issues did you run into? Exactly. Um, and I will generally not use that against them in my own head when I'm thinking about things. What I will start to do is say, well, I've heard from four different clients that 10 different companies that they've worked with had a problem where, 
in the VIP section, they couldn't hear the program. Um, so then what I'll start to do is recognize, hey, it's an industry-wide problem or in our regional market, not necessarily with this one competitor, but people are having problems with speaker coverage. So as a company, that's something that we should really address. So instead of just quickly writing it off, I'll try and get down to the bottom of the issue and say, what is it industry-wide that is causing these complaints and what can I do to improve that? Sure. All right, last but not least, don't forget to say thank you. <laughs> so it's it's a simple little thing and it it, it seems very silly, but um, even if it's a matter of sending out a, a thank you note of some sort, you know, it costs you 35 cents or 50 cents for the, the paper and the envelope and the stamp and all that, whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's a very simple gesture for thanks for choosing us. We really hope that we met your or exceeded your expectations for the event this year. We look forward to working with you in the future, that sort of thing. It's a very, um, like I said, simple gesture, but it's something that goes a, a long way. The relationship with a client doesn't end when the event is over, right? There's always the possibility of them referring somebody else to you for the same services or coming back as a repeat customer for having that same event next year. Or if they've got other events throughout the year and they had a good experience with you for the first time, then maybe they come back and hire you for other events that they're having throughout the year. And the expression of gratitude towards the client is something that really tips the scales for that. Just because um, without your clients, without your customers, you don't have a business, right? And, it's, and just that small little gesture um, helps them to feel appreciated and it goes beyond just the high quality service that we're providing at the uh, at the event itself. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'd say it's a pretty solid way to go. I mean, you know, it's general politeness too when you're at the gig throughout mm -hmm. it at the end of it too. It's just it really goes a long way to trying to act professional and be professional around them. Yeah, right. some, something I see that people forget to do a lot is simply introduce yourself and shake their hand you know so many times you'll see when i've observed like third party situations um i think a lot of people working in the production industry there are very many introverted persons where they're not necessarily willing to go out there and make that first contact yep um it's easy to just kind of like sit behind the console until you're asked to do something um but you know like i said i'll keep an eye on someone, try and get a feel for what kind of person they are. And then the very first thing I'll do is go up and shake their hand, tell them what my name is and that I'm there to help them and what my role in the job is. Um, and that can really get the day rolling well because it's easier for them to understand and interact with you. Um, creates a little human connection. You're not just simply a robot operating buttons in the back of the room. Exactly.
Yeah, I'd say it definitely, it, it kind of like separates that like them, it's not like a, not necessarily like them versus you, but it breaks that barrier of like, hey, we're all in this together. I'm trying to make this the best possible event or gig that I can make it for you. So please come to me with anything that you have that I can help with or that if you need to reach somebody or talk to somebody else, like I can probably try and find them for you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So there you have it that's the full list do's and don'ts so just a quick review do match don't mirror stop talking start listening use positive language under promise over deliver be consistent with all of your interactions and don'ts don't shop with your own wallet don't pass the blame try not to overcomplicate or over explain don't down, to, down talk competitors uh, and don't forget to say thank you. So um, I've got one to... more that I think will miss like probably one of the mistakes I see with a lot of the younger techs. Um, make sure that you are using the appropriate language, especially if you're just hired on as a stagehand keep the jokes to yourself like don't <laughs> don't yell out anything that you don't want anybody to hear right um that's important and then something that i have probably learned more about the industry by doing is being the fly on the wall um it probably looks weird yeah. but like when a new speaker system rolls in that i've never seen before i'll just walk over to it and just start looking at it um I won't say, oh, you know, this is the new thing I read about it on Facebook. I'll go up and physically, what does this feel like? How are these things positioned? Um, or if I'm working with an engineer while they're sound checking, I won't be running my mouth saying, oh, what do you think of that new version of this software or whatever? I'll just sit and watch what they're doing for a little while and then come up with a sensible question to ask if I don't understand what's going on. Um, but I think the people that I tend to hire back the most or enjoy working with the most are ones that just kind of, <laughs> they just kind of shut up and watch what's going on and then know when to step in at the right moment rather than just mm -hmm. running our mouth the entire time, um, which in many ways can bring down the quality of the production. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's definitely a matter of like knowing when to keep your mouth shut, just kind of be there, be present and then try to you know like tom said it's like find sensible questions or if you can just kind of be there and you know act cool <laughs> <laughs> all right well i believe that covers everything for today we've talked at length about uh proper customer service do's and don'ts how not to be a robot and how to be more of a human being <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm I, still trying. I'm yeah. still working on that. Yeah, I am too. I've been in, I've been in the industry long enough, and I'm an introvert through and through. So it, I'm I'm definitely an an extroverted introvert. So it's it's nerve wracking for me to talk to people, but once I actually start doing it, it 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 goes fairly well. But it's getting that jump off with. Do I really want to have this conversation? Do I really <laughs> want to go through this? Uh, and then finally making that decision, everything tends to, to work out pretty well. So um, don't be afraid. Number six, don't be afraid to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I appreciate you guys allowing me to talk 
about this topic today uh, makes me feel a little bit more I don't know, better about myself, I guess. Um, <laughs> now that you've vented to us, let us tell you what we think of you. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, tomorrow we'll have another topic. And um, once again, I appreciate you guys coming on and giving your input for the things that you've seen for uh, the customer service side of things and, and everything that you've uh, had to address and how you've successfully gotten through all of that. I'm glad to hear about all those stories. So um, that should do it for tonight or today. Excuse me. It's only four o'clock. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Sounds good. See you, see you then. <laughs>